very welcome along to uh, the gardening programme. I know it has been back for one week already, but it's it my has. it's my first week you of the autumn that, gardening programme. You haven't heard that tune in a couple of months. I haven't, right? actually. You know, I, Park, I was off last week and I nearly forgot the name of the programme. Oh. <laughs> Isn't that awful when well, I started back. this morning? Sorry, I it was just a momentary yeah, lapse, folks. Anyway, uh, we have the gardening programme for you and Park Horkin is back with us for uh, the autumn yeah. season. We and go right through till uh, the first week of November. So we've all of September, oh. all of October to talk about gardening. So it's great. Great, because well, th- well, then we'll definitely get to all of the questions, <laughs> hopefully, that have been coming in since uh, Cock Crow this morning. Um, but just, I was thinking myself, um, uh, you know, I, okay, you, you are converting me slowly, I'll yes, say, Bora. It is slowly, bit it's by working. bit. But it has been a, a tremendous summer, or at least the latter end of the summer has been tremendous for growth. And even the last couple of weeks, I don't know, am I right or wrong, or is it is it unusual? I feel that the bit of foliage I have in the garden mm. definitely has seems to have kind of a whole new growth spurt over it the last couple course. of weeks. It has a course. It has a course. And, and uh, you know, during the week I was listening to the forecast and they were talking about the, the ocean temperatures, that they're, the water, the sea level is at its warmest at this time of year because it has trapped all that heat over mm. the summer from June and July. And soil is exactly the same. It, it stores up the heat during the summer months and soil temperatures are very warm at the moment. Uh, and when you get that moisture and you get that air temperature, you get that fantastic growth that we've had over the last five, six, seven weeks. I mean, you can see it in the trees. The trees are still luscious green. Uh, huge amount of seed, actually, I've noticed on ash trees and mountain ash in particular, common ash, sycamore. They're producing buckets of seed this year. Uh, and growth has been very, very strong. I mean, anybody that's been cutting their lawn in the last couple of weeks yes. knows you have to be out there nearly every week keeping on top of it. Where traditionally, as you come into sem- September, you, you know, things do start to slow down. We can see the day is shortening and the temperature certainly in the last day or two certainly have plummeted. Mm. But over the last six weeks, the growth has been phenomenal. It's been really, really good and plants have responded to that. I haven't seen hydrangeas looking so well yeah, in so many years. They're really beautiful this year. And we are getting a, kind of, you know, a really good uh, late period, late gardening period as we come into autumn. But as I said last week, September, as we slip into autumn, is nature's time for planting. So it has always been traditionally the start of the gardening year, September. Okay, because I suppose we we generally think of spring as yeah because that 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 you know you you start and i suppose maybe it's because it's the calendar year as well but an actual point of fact and we were just discussing this briefly off air before we started uh technically this is like the january of yeah, spring it is like. traditionally years and years ago before we got modernized and put plants into pots mm. All, people always waited for the autumn anticipation. They're waiting for the spring bulbs, the daffodils and the stro- snowdrop to come available to start planting, which they are available now to plant. Uh, the moving of plants, the traditionally the autumn, October, November, December was the time the plants were dig- dug up out of the ground and moved to other parts of the garden. It was traditionally the time the cuttings were taking. So the, the cuttings of hydrangeas and fuchsias and roses were always taken as we, we, we came into the latter part of September and October. The sowing of seed. So, you know, I've mentioned things like mm. the ash beach is full of seed at the moment. Mountain ash in particular, the lovely red berries, it's full of berries at the moment. Holly produces its berries and will ripen over the next couple of months. So as they fall, that's the start of the next generation. So... so you know, autumn is always a great time in the garden. We often tend to forget that. Um, and particularly when we get the sort of weather conditions we have, there's lots that can be done in preparation for the spring. 
You're right. preparing for the spring and you're also using the temperatures that are still there to germinate seed and to, for cuttings to ripen and for plants if they get into that warmth of the soil the roots are going to start growing. So if you plant a daffodil bulb today and you dig it up in four weeks time even though it'll there's no visible it'll, growth. It'll have started to, to, to have a little Huge on amount it. of white roots will be produced over within a four or five week period. So plants are actually growing through the winter period, even though visibly we can't see that. Mm. So if you plant a tree in the autumn, in September, October, the roots of that plant are initiated into growth. They start growing, they start putting down the foundation of a new root, even though there's no visible growth on top. Mm. And that plant is so much stronger then going into the spring of next year because it has already established a very solid root foundation and the same applies to hedging plants mm. so as we come into the autumn now the planting of hedging plants in particular they'll settle in for the winter and they're ready to go then in the spring so the growth is actually accelerated as you come into the springtime so autumn early winter has always been traditionally a really really good time for planting sowing seeds taking cuttings moving plants so it's a tad early yet to go moving plants wait for the foliage to drop but we're coming into that time of year um, as, as, the, as the growth in plants slows down a bit so there's Lots to be done. Lots to be done and lots to be considered. Yeah, I suppose the fact that the growing period has maybe been a little extended as a result of uh, the, the you know the good conditions, and mm. um, people are still maybe enjoying that last bit out of the garden prior to starting that moving process. Absolutely. But when you say there about um, the fact that there's such an abundance of seed on the likes of trees yeah. now, for example, and um, if you had a little project, would it be a good idea to take some of that now, plant it and see as little saplings grow? Supposing you had a thing that you'd like to maybe try and go grow a tree or something oh, like that. Particularly maybe with children, children. maybe. Yeah, well, it would be a super project. Mm. At the moment, the roan trees, the beautiful mountain ash or roan trees, you'll see the red berries, they're fantastic vibrant red colour that's the fruit of the roan tree and within that within the fruit like any fruit it contains the seed of the plant so if you were collecting the seed around the latter the end of the last week of September start ga- gathering the seed at that time of year get the children to crush that seed crush the berries and sow it out into it can be in little seed trays or pots it can be out in a piece of soil in the garden maybe mm. around the school but put them out of doors because what most seed needs for the winter period particularly natural seed like ash beech mountain ash holly berries is cold weather so it needs the frost and it needs the the, the misery of winter to break the seed down and then you get the germination come the springtime but a great project for uh, I mentioned last week about the sowing of seed and the, the type of seed I would be sowing would be things like sweet pea seed anthrinium seed Blue lobelia, white alisum, English marigolds. A lot of the plants we associate with cottage garden, cottage gardening, mm. and the flowers in cottage gardens can be sown at this time of year because you're taking the benefit of the temperature. You know, it's still 10, 14 degrees temperature. Mm-hmm. So that seed will germinate very quickly. And it would be an ideal classroom uh, project to sow some sweet pea seeds, say, say, just soak the seed overnight, sow it in a tray on a warm windowsill, in a bright warm windowsill in the school, covered with a bit of cling film because that keeps the moisture in. The seed will germinate within about a two-week period and the children will see the young plants growing on the windowsill and they can plant those safely out of doors any time from the end of September, early October onwards. Um, Even vegetable seed can still be sown at this time of year. The spring Mm. cabbage, the winter cabbages, the onions can still be sown from seed indoors or directly out of doors. So it's a great time of year for sowing seed. But certainly if they want to collect, say, horse chestnut would be a lovely one to do.
Okay, because collect the yeah the fruit of the horse chestnut uh, around the first week of October, and then break open the the kernel, the actual fruit itself, and take out the black seed, the black nut, and sow that out of doors, directly into pots, directly out into maybe a small piece of soil in the schoolyard. Over the winter, that that chestnut will break down, the frost will break it down, and you get the seed germinating then in the spring. Now, if you sow a hundred seed of horse chestnut, you might only get 30 to germinate. Yeah, I suppose that's the, that's the thing. Don't just yeah. sow one and then say, sow oh, plenty. it didn't work for me. Yeah, sow plenty. And you'll often find uh, white thorn, for example, is, is typically one that needs two seasons to germinate. So if we sow 100 seed of white thorn, the little hawberry, uh, mm. then again, it, it stratifies or it, it breaks down over the winter period and you might get 30%. 30 of those seeds might germinate this coming spring, but the other 70 will germinate the following spring. spring right. So, you you know, don't, don't, so leave the area for at least a year and you get a certain amount of germinating this spring. Thing. So it's, it's, I suppose the note is it's a time for planting in the garden. Bulbs, spring bulbs in particular will be one that will spring to my mind. <laughs> so daffodils, snowdrops, bluebells, uh, tulips, all of all those, those things. they're available in gardens and the moment and people come in funny enough in the springtime looking yeah. for them and I'm, I, I'm, I suppose and I would be guilty of that particular one myself um, so really the thing is to try to think if you haven't maybe had a good plan in the garden this year and things have been a bit haphazard and you would like to have some of those beautiful spring um, flowering plants uh, start planning where you're going to put them and it's it's usually in groups of, of the odd numbers isn't that go. the way yeah. the threes I'm the learning. fives the sevens and the great thing with bulbs is that you can actually put them into pots you can pot them up say seven down in a pot, fill it up with compost, regular compost, mm-hmm. stick it out under a, anywhere in the garden, out under a bush or whatever. That will grow over the winter period. And in the springtime, you've got yourself a pot of daffodils that you can put anywhere in the garden. You can plant you at can that time of year. So if you're not just ready, but you think you might want a bit of colour in the springtime, put them in pots. It again gives you that flexibility to be able to plant them wherever you want them to grow come the springtime. And, you know, bulbs, as I always say, are foolproof. If you put a bulb, plant it upside down, it will still it'll grow. Find it. It'll, it'll still find grow. its way. They're absolutely fantastic. Okay. So the other the other key job um, which will be associated with the autumn will be the lawns and lawn care mm. in particular. And of course, as you know from the programme, come the springtime, we'll be inundated with the moss problems. But really, the... the um, maintenance and the controlling of moss should start this time of year because we're back into uh, cooler temperatures, a little bit more moisture and moss is, is starting to kick off now. So my advice really, as I always say in the autumn, is to get on top of it now and stop it from from being, being a problem. An, from being an issue Yeah, in the so treat your lawn to something like the, the Osmo moss remover. That'll stop the moss dead in its tracks at this time of year right. and it won't be a problem or you're minimising the problem come the springtime. The other thing with lawns, it's a great time to sow new lawns. So for listeners that are thinking they might have moved into a new house or they want to renovate a lawn or they want to redo Mm. an area or reseed an area, then September, because of the temperatures and because of the moisture levels, seed germinates very, very well at this time of year. So if you are thinking about putting in a new lawn, my advice is to get get it in over the next three to four. You know, you've got up to about the middle of October to sow a new lawn. So use the weather conditions at the moment. We're promised good weather uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of next week, it will be ideal conditions for spraying off an area, killing off, killing all, off all whatever weeds, might be there, yeah. killing the soil and getting some seed in. Because if you get it in now, uh, a new lawn in now, now in September, you'll have a fantastic lawn by next March. It'll okay. actually continue to grow Go over open. the winter period, and you'll be in a you know it'll be in super it'll condition. Be a good condition. Yeah, so because you know the spring like last year can be. 
it could be very cold, very cold. or it could be very wet like the yeah. previous year and uh, those conditions don't really lend themselves exactly. to, to things growing exactly. quite as well as they could. So take the opportunity and, and remember that sowing new lawns and certainly feeding lawns and kind of putting the lawn to bed I suppose to a certain extent at this time of year existing lawns, you'll still be mowing it for another four to six weeks Okay. and I would feed it with the Osmo just to keep it in good condition. Um, we, You've brought some items into the studio or will we talk about those in a minute? We or, can do. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll take a little, take quick little break. break. Um, um, uh, we are coming to questions too because I know there's a, a, a good selection there as well. Uh, so you can keep things coming to us on 087 941 if you're texting with thanks to CNC Cellular and 0818 3055 if you're calling us. There is such a selection of questions but before we come to them you've brought in a little selection of your own uh, this morning Porik and uh, on the pop quiz I scored three out of four. <laughs> you did? Not bad at all. I'm very impressed. As to what they I'm might be. Impressed. Ah well now the header I really want to be <laughs> in uh, junior infants I think not to know that one but anyway. Well I brought in I brought in a, again I suppose we associate most colour with summertime with the hanging baskets and, and uh, bedding plants and so on but coming into the autumn there's some lovely plants that can be put in for that autumn colour, spring colour, give you to give you colour mm. really through the winter period, and I think they they absolutely work really well with spring flowering bulbs. So I brought in heathers, winter flowering heathers, which are great because winter flowering heathers flower in any type of soil. So if you've got a slope or a bank or a nerium that you want to kind of give good ground cover, mm. then consider winter flowering heathers. And really calling them winter flower heathers is an injustice because they actually flower from now right through to April of next year. Right. So that's roughly so that's, that's six, months, six months, seven months. When there's nothing, when the well, when there's not as much of other items growing. And the great thing you see is that if the flower during the winter period, so temperatures are cool, mm-hmm. so the flower lasts longer. And that's why you get seven, seven months of colour uh, from winter flowering heathers. it's not dehydrating exactly. in the sunshine or anything the, like exactly. that. Exactly. So the, the winter pre- 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 preserves the actual flowers through the winter period. And even if you get snow or frost, it doesn't damage the flowers, which mm. are great. So think about winter flowering heathers. And um, this is one of the sprayed ones that are used in containers to give a bit of colour. But think about the lovely pinks and reds. Kramer's Red, for example, is a lovely variety. Very vigorous, good uh, quality winter flowering heather with rich purple flowers. Plant them in groups of sixes or maybe fives and sevens or nines, kind of odd numbers, and plant them in groups of the same colour. But they'll grow in ordinary garden soil. That's right. the great thing about winter flowering heathers. Okay. You don't have to worry about acid or limey soil. They'll grow they'll anywhere, really, anywhere, to be really, honest. Right. They're, they're really good. And it's a great time to plant winter flowering heathers, and they will flower this year from planting. And beneath them, or underneath them, I would plant some snowdrops, some dwarf daffodils like Tate to Date, which is a lovely dwarf variety. It'll flower just above the yeah. uh, the heather and that lovely cerise pink of the heather contrasts so well with the yellow of, of the of daffodil the in the springtime and once planted that's it even though the heather would grow over the daffodil in time yes. the daffodils will push their way up through the heather so it's a lovely combination and it's a great way to keep an area pretty weed free once mm. the heathers become established they kind of smother out the so ground So they're a little bit self-maintaining I suppose They are and they're available at the moment in purples in shades of pinks um, some like Merton Ruby which borders on red is mm. a lovely variety Fox Hollow which has yellow foliage and okay. pink flowers oh that sounds lovely it's a really nice yeah. one Fox Hollow and it contrasts the foliage alone contrasts really well another one called Springwood White which is a white which they say is lucky so you've got a whole contrast a palette of colours but do plant some spring balls beneath them the other plant I brought in was the cyclamen yeah lovely uh, pink cyclamen yeah and that's that's a quite a nice it's a nice mini dwarf variety lovely in, in pots and containers window boxes at this time of year and again cyclamen like the cool conditions 
So they dislike the summer weather, it's too warm, but they love this time of year right. as we come into winter and springtime. And they'll continue to flower over the winter period if you deadhead them, if you just pluck off pluck the off old the flowers. Yeah, so you right. literally just yeah. pluck them out and, the, and they come off and you get lots of new ones coming on. There's also bulbs of cyclamen available in the garden centres at the moment and they're lovely if you've got a rockery or an alpine area that you want a little bit of colour every year so they're really dainty they're a slightly different variety to this one Right. totally hardy out of doors they've still got the lovely uh, coloured foliage that kind of mottled coloured marbled coloured foliage and pink flowers so look for them they're cyclamen corms now when you buy them they look like nothing they look like a withered piece, piece of cardboard right <laughs> right. <laughs> but so trust don't, me don't don't presume they're, they're, no. they're, they're gone forever yeah trust me they're really worth planting particularly if, if you've got a nice kind of maybe under trees a little woodland area or you've got an alpine bed or a rockery bed because they are very dainty and short and high and would they come back annually then every year perennially right. they come back year after yeah. year after year they've grown from the bulb the, the cyclamen bulb really worth planting I'd, I'd highly advise those and irrespective I had them in my own garden for the last number of years so irrespective of the, the frosty snowy whatever well, it doesn't put use. them off right. yeah they're they actually hard, come through they're, hard, they're really yes. good okay. yeah they're lovely um, this is interesting winter cabbage yeah so this is so again it's, so, it so looks so like an ornamental cabbage like is that an that's eating exactly, a cabbage for eating well, or you can't eat it if right. you wish it's in the cabbage family <laughs> <laughs> so I well, suppose you, it's, you, it's a green and purple just for describing for yeah. listeners it's 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 a, it's a small uh, cabbage uh, where the leaves have literally opened out into what looks like a big flower as such and it's got green leaves on the outer part of it and then it's kind of becomes a glovey purpley lavender type colour yeah. in the middle and it's that, beautiful and think of think of kale hmm. uh, think of purple purple sprouting broccoli purple cauliflower they're the colours they're all in this hmm. family and that's why these have been bred for ornamental purposes uh, you're dead right for um, just foliage colour and because it's foliage colour again it's going to last you know, so the, again, you'll have colour certainly up to late November, early December from this plant, maybe even up to Christmas. And I, you'll find as the weather gets colder, the more purple it goes, a bit oh. like myself. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both, I think. Chrysanthemum then Chrysanthemum. was the other plant I brought yes. in, the garden mums. These are terrific if you just want to splash a colour for the autumn. loads of, uh, of, of buds on that or little yeah. heads on that one. So. And these are the perennial garden mums, which means they'll come back year after year. So they'll die back in the depths of winter and they'll re-emerge in the spring again. So that's the kind of colour I'd be thinking. Now there's plenty mm. of, of winter pansies, yes. winter violas. Um, you know, there's plenty of polyanthus and primulus that will be available and all the spring bulbs. But they're just a few. They were actually from the bed. I did a bed in TV3 on, on Thursday. Thursday so right. we planted up a new bed and they were the, some of the plants I used yeah they're lovely it just, I suppose it just does go to show you because sometimes we tend to think that as the winter approaches really we're going to lose the leaves and we're losing all colour in the garden yeah. and everything becomes very dull but in actual point of fact with a little bit of thought we're saying that doesn't necessarily no, have to be the case and if it's even just around the house around a few window boxes or around the, the entrance to the house a few containers looks really, really well just brighten the place yeah. up Okay, let's turn our attention to uh, things that uh, people have queries on. Somebody, first of all, fruit brushes. Can they sow fruit brushes out in the soil? They had potatoes in this year and they're wondering, should they cover them? Well, there's no, there's no need to cover the fruit bushes. Um, first of all, it's a perfect spot. I couldn't have described a better area for planting fruit because the great thing about potatoes, after putting in a potato crop, they bust up the soil. It's mm. like rotating or tilling the soil. So the, the soil conditions are ideal for planting into that area. So fruit trees, what can you plant? Well, all the apples can go in at this time of year. Pears, plums, fruiting cherries uh, can all grow in. So all the top fruit trees can be planted this time of year. All the soft fruit, blackcurrants, gooseberries, blueberries, raspberries, strawberries, rhubarb can be all planted 
in and autumn is the time for planting fruit in the garden. They're all frost hardy, so you don't have to cover them, you don't have to protect them, you literally just plant them into the garden. Now, cross-pollination is a thing to consider and get some advice when you're in the garden centre. So, with apples, you, you need a minimum of three varieties and try to get three different varieties that flower at the same time. You can mix cookers and eaters together if you wish, um, but make sure they do. So, a variety, a really good one I'd recommend as a cooker is one called Grenadier, which fruits in August, big, huge, massive green apples, and but it's also a great pollinator of other trees. Another nice one is called James Grieve. Um, so there's lots of really Do good, you know, talk to your local garden centre and they'll advise you, but make sure that they flower at the same time. That's the critical thing. Right. Put in a minimum of three. If you've got a small garden, consider the coronet apples. Oh. They're the dwarf miniature apples. They're really good. Um, so any of the top fruit, soft fruit like blackcurrants, gooseberries, most households will need about five or six plants mm. to give them something worthwhile. So don't put it, just stick in one. Put in a minimum of four to five blackcurrants, four to five gooseberries, um, same with raspberries. Strawberries, you probably want a dozen plants. They're cheap to buy, mm. but get about a dozen plants. Rhubarb, I'd recommend six, maybe eight plants. Uh, what the listener can do is if you can get your hands in some organic matter, some farmer manure, some mushroom compost, old compost that you might have made yourself, that's ideal to dig into the soil before planting. But apart from that, the weather conditions are ideal. There's a super range of fruit available in garden centres at the moment and you're really at the critical time. This is the right time to get them into the soil. Any of the top fruit, do stake them, get a good short uh, stout steak, okay. stake them well and they might, may need a little bit of pruning back but generally the garden centres will do that for you before you bring them home. Okay. A little bit of pruning back just to tighten them up and that sets them off for the spring. Okay. But no, it's a, it's a great project and particularly where you've grown but potatoes that's an ideal location to, to, to put, put fruit in. in the yeah. Yeah. Give them a good spacing as well. Apples will generally need, depending on how vigorous they are, but they would need a minimum of about 10 foot spacings. And what I have in my own garden is the, is the apple trees with the blackcurrants and the gooseberries planted beneath them. Right. And it works really well. Okay. So space Good. them well apart and put the soft root in underneath them and the two work very well together. So when the bees are visiting <coughs> the apples, yes. they take Picks. a turn at the black currants as well. Right, so you're, 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 maximi- you're maximising you're maximizing yeah. the and job. You're ma- and you're also maximising the space and you get less weed and, and thing in around the base of the, the apple tree. And so it's a good it, way to do it. It's not a case where, <coughs> you know, if you do have them sewn in between the apple trees, I'm just thinking um, if there is a lot of foliage on your apple trees that it's not taking, for, it's not, you know, causing too no, much no, shade it, for it, your fruit trees or anything you, like that. You will be pruning back the apples <coughs> and, uh, you know, if you keep them maintained properly, you won't be casting a lot of shade. Um, my wife gives out to me that they're too closely planted. She can't get in. In between. Get in between. Yeah, that's that's the only that's oh, the only okay. criticism. Right, right. You're maximising the garden space, so definitely. A listener would like to know: uh, Can they set new roses where old roses have been growing? Well, the 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 the, the answer up to a couple of years was was no, oh, because okay. pa- pansies and roses have a similar condition called uh, root sickness. So that if you plant a rose bush into the same piece of soil that another rose bush was, the the it, the bacteria that's left with the old roots attacks the new plant. But thankfully, there's a product called Root Grow, which is a a simple bacterial crystals that you add to the soil and that counteracts, it stops that from happening. So if you have to plant it, what I would do first of all is take some of the old soil away and put it onto your veg garden or put it in under your hedge or whatever. Get some fresh soil in for the new area that you want to do the roses and then get yourself a little bit of the root grow. You mix it through the soil when you're planting the roses and that will protect your new roses. So there's no problem whatsoever. You can do that. A great time to plant roses actually 
September, right. early October, really good time to put them in. And I suppose, and it was a great summer. It seemed for roses. Yeah, as well. it there was. was a, lot, a lot of good, 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 good big heads and June stuff like and that. July yeah. was just so yeah. it was just perfect conditions for for roses. They need that bright, high levels of sunshine, dry weather, and they they absolutely and they're yeah. still fantastic. They are actually. I was in a friend's house last weekend, and they had some old rose bushes that, in fairness, had not been that well tended maybe over the past couple of years, but still producing fantastic blooms. Yeah, and, and the scent was just really. Stunning that's in the, the hallway, yeah. About yeah. Them. And if you continue to uh, deadhead them and feed them, you'll get often get them flowering for another six weeks. Great. So they're well, well worth looking after. From roses to apples, Porik. Yeah. Uh, a listener bought an apple tree two weeks ago, Good. only sowed them yesterday. Right. They've noticed that some of the leaves were a bit on the brown side. They're just wondering, will that tree be okay? Ah, yeah, it'll be perfectly fine. Don't worry about an odd bit of leaf. It may have may have just dried out a little bit at some stage. Um, you know, the main thing, it, it's great, great that they've got it back into the ground. If it were back into dry weather again next week, if we continue with dry weather, obviously give it a bucket of water. That's all it's going to require. Do prune back. The, if there's got long, whippy stems, on the plant, shorten the back by maybe uh, half, about 50%. So if you've got, say, two foot or three foot long stems, take them back by a foot or 18 inches, prune them back a little bit. Uh, make sure that the tree is well staked. And as long as you water it, it'll be, and you only need to water it, give it a good heavy dousing next week and that'll be perfectly that'll be okay. okay. Yeah. Tomatoes that got blight mid-August August in a tunnel. Uh, the listener removed the leaves, but some fruit has blight on them, uh, which they removed. Is there anything they can do to save that crop? Well, blight or tomatoes are in the same family as potatoes. Yeah. And of course, uh, the, the blight doesn't differentiate between either. No, the listener has done exactly the right thing. Taking the foliage off will reduce any of the blight problems. And the fact that they've taken any of the fruit away, that'll be fine as well. I wouldn't envisage many of the other, the rest of the fruit rotting. Just leave them to ripen. Now, as I said last week, if we're coming into a time of year that there's lots of fruit still on tomatoes and a lot depends on, on the levels of sunshine we're going to get, whether that fruit is going to ripen. But remember that you can ripen green tomatoes by taking them off, putting them in a brown paper bag and... Put them in the hot press. And... Oh, there's something you put in the brown paper. Banana! Banana no. or an apple. An apple. An apple. We give the I feel like I'm in an exam this morning. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> So that so you can ripen them. Don't worry about the fruit not ripening. Right. You, you can ripen. You can you know certainly if they're at a good size, you can turn green tomatoes into red. red. But put the brown paper bag, a little bit of a ripe apple, a really ripe apple, into the bag, and that will help to ripen them up. Or even put them on a, a bright windowsill will ripen them up as well. Just to get dry. Yeah, but I leave them on the vine for at least another two or three weeks. At the end of September, early October, if you've still got a lot of green fruit, take them off the plant and ripen them exactly how we described. Is it too early to prune a rambling rose? Well, it, if it's gone out of flower, you can certainly prune it back. Now, with rambling roses, you don't prune them severely. So it's only a matter of, of really taking the stems back. So you're shorting back the stems. So a rambling rose should have about maybe seven or eight really strong stems. And you shorten back the side shoots back to that main stem, within an inch of that main stem. So it's a tidying up rather than a severe pruning. You could take maybe two feet or three feet off the top of the rambling rose. So you're shortening the height of it back and shortening back the side shoots, the little laterals. But if it's still blooming, then leave it well enough alone. October would actually be the time that I would start to tackle climbing and rambling roses. Okay. So leave them for another while. You still might get some colour from them. Okay. Listener is wondering about hedging screen. Uh, they'd like to grow some screen hedging, I suppose, really, to about hedging, six yeah. foot. Okay. Um, uh, they're wondering what would be good to use? When should you plant it? Um, and they'd like the plants to be able to keep their leaves and they'd be easy to grow. 
Okay, yeah, well, that's fairly straightforward. <laughs> so something evergreen. Well, you know, again, what comes six foot, I would go for, it's not a very tall hedge. And if you want something that's not going to be overly vigorous and take a lot of trimming, the one that springs to my mind would be Portuguese laurel. Beautiful hedge, lovely, glossy green, dark green foliage, fully evergreen, fully hardy. Um, and it makes, it, it will be slightly slower growing than, than the traditional laurel, but it makes a far nicer hedge, in my opinion. Um, so for six foot, I would go for the Portuguese laurel. It's a really good choice. If you do want something fast, and you're prepared to trim it then the common laurel would be good um, yes. and it's done really well this year has, so, yeah. um, so that, that would be a good choice if you're in a seaside area Iliagnus the silver leaf Iliagnus is very good bright silver foliage uh, very hardy very good for wind conditions very good for soil conditions and again it makes a lovely hedge up to uh, about six foot. Six foot. Yeah. Holly would be the other one. Very good holly. I often, I don't mention probably that enough, but it, it makes a lovely hedge. Um, there's Do a you see of, that mm. many holly hedges? Really, I suppose. Like, does the does the, the, the thorny prickly things put people off? A no, small bit? because if you go for well, a you, you can go for the the you know some of the the uh, common varieties mm. which are very thorny on the foliage. Mm. That can be a good barrier. You know, if you yes, want a, a well, good physical indeed, barrier, yes, of right? Course, yeah. Um, but but there's a lovely variety called Golden King, which is is funny enough a female variety, bears the berries, which has got very soft, rounded foliage. There's no it's thorns. Right, so they're not, on it. It's not hard to handle. No, and it's got lovely variegated foliage, bright yellow with green centres, a really nice, bright, attractive hedge. The thing I like about holly is it's slow growing. It's really slow growing. Right, so so you're, not does, out, you're not out uh, looking at it every two weeks. You're not out trimming it, yeah, certainly every two yeah. weeks. Um, and, but it makes a very attractive hedge. There's another one, good one called Silver Queen as well, um, which could be, you could mix the two together. Mm. It's often advisable because Silver Queen is the male and would pollinate the, right, the thing. The, but Golden King is, is really nice. So Holly, Portuguese Laurel, Illy Agnes, the common for seaside areas, and the common Laurel would all fit the fit bill. bill very nicely okay. good luck with your new now, there's, there's plenty of other what I would say to say to you is take a look at the our, our website gardencentre.ie we've got a very good mm. range of, of hedging plants and explains each one because there are others like Berber's Darwinii and to see them rather than me trying to extra, describe sure. them have a look at them the pictures are there so go on to the website gardencentre.ie click on the hedging section okay. and there's plenty of advice there yeah, exactly uh, a listener has some sage rosemary lavender and thyme plants very good yeah it sounds fabulous and they'd like to take slips from them as they want to start a new herb area so they're wondering can they grow them outdoors well well, first of all they are outdoor herbs mm. so you can grow them out of doors what, what the, the, all of those particular herbs like is a bright sunny location and free draining soil so add in sand or gravel or grit into the soil. They don't need a particularly fertile soil and right. all, they do all the better if they're sli- slightly on the hungry side. Right. Um, the oils tend to be more, more intense. So um, so first of all, planting them out of doors is perfectly okay. They're all frost hardy, but do have good free draining soil. They also work fantastic in containers. Uh, I think the question is about taking cuttings, is it? Taking cuttings so, and, and can, can they be, I suppose, grown outdoors yes, from the cuttings? Yeah. yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. You can take the cuttings now, take short cuttings about four to six inches long strip off all the leaves apart from one leaf at the very top of the sage plant or the lavender plant dip it into some rooting powder and put it into a flower pot so you could get a standard six inch flower pot and put a dozen cuttings into that no problem whatsoever polythene bag over the top of it and they'll root out of doors so put them on your patio under a hedge it'll take about four to six weeks for them to root but they root very successfully so it's a really good time to take cuttings from all herb plants rosemary lavender thyme sage any of the bay 
bay trees, all of those propagate very readily from cuttings. But the rooting powder is important and you can literally put them like soldiers in a small yeah. pot, you'll fit a dozen cuttings, no problem. So you don't have to be putting, putting them, them all in separate pots. Right? Yeah, and all of that. and Or you don't have to put them directly out into the soil. Yeah. You can if you wish, but I would root them in pots first of all. A good gritty mixture, half sand, half compost, nice gritty mixture. Make sure you get the rooting powder, tip the cutting, pop it in, mm-hmm. cover it with a polythene bag, uh, uh, light, you know, like a butcher's, the white... The kind of... Milky. Yes, the milky, milky bag. One, yes. That's the one to use. A little rubber band around it and it'll take four or six weeks to germ- to uh, root. And m- cuttings in general, this is the time, like fuchsias, potentillas, hypericums, all of those shrubs root readily from cuttings in September, October. So go out and you know, have a bit of fun. Get, with a great one for the busy. kids. Yeah. For the kids again, just to show them how plants actually. And it's uh, and I just think it's lovely if you're any kind of uh, somebody who likes messing in the kitchen. Uh, it's lovely to have a few fresh herbs that you can go out and just snip and add it into the cooking because yeah. it just makes such a difference. And all of those plants that the listener mentioned are dead easy yeah, to grow and are. thrive on a bit of neglect. They actually do poorly where you have heavy, rich soil. They dislike wetness is the problem, problem with right. them, not not anything else. So if you think where where do they go really well, France. Yeah, you know, the lovely, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they have really sandy soil, you know, and, and we don't need the continuous sun for them. They'll actually do very well as long as the soil is well drained. So hence they do very well in pots. Great stuff. But they're fer- totally frost hardy and trim them on a regular basis. That keeps and them that young. that keeps them nice and... That keeps them young. Even if you don't use the foliage, keep trimming them, trim back. them back. Yeah, keep them young. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, there's still lots more to come, so stay with us. Of apple questions there oh, all really. of a sudden. Oh, uh, Porrick, yeah. uh, I'm going to go from bottom upwards now rather than top down. Okay, but anyway, shoot. what rootstock number are the apple trees in your centre? Someone would like some old fashioned, big growing trees. Oh, yeah, they're available. What, do, what does that mean now, there that question to, no. the, to the uninitiated? Have you got, have you got all day? <laughs> Rootstock, what we mean by the rootstock yes. is is apples are grafted. So it's like welding two pieces of metal together or welding two pieces of stem together. So in the nurseries, when the apples are grown, the same applies to roses, they're put onto what we call a rootstock. And that it, it literally, it's literally the grafting of the apple, like James Greave, mm-hmm. onto another rootstock. Now, why do we do that? Because the rootstock determines how vigorous the tree is grown to grow. So, for example, I mentioned the coronet apples mm. in, in, that are bred in Kilkenny. And the rootstock that they are, are on are, is a dwarf rootstock, like an M9. Okay. So, so they all have numbers. So they all have numbers and the number relates to, to a... the vigour of the tree. Right. And so so you can have a James Greave on an M9 and you can have it on an M106 and you'll have two completely different the fruit will be exactly the same. But they'll grow at different speeds, they'll will they? will grow at different speeds. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't nature a wonderful thing? That really is interesting. So if you wanted to stagger your crop, shall we say, if you were a technical apple tree person, which I'm not, obviously. Go on, no but if you, you were to stagger the, if you were to stagger the um, the fruiting of the crop, no. Shall, no. They'll still oh. fruit at the same oh, time. Right. What you're controlling is the vigour. Okay. The and years ago, apple trees were grafted onto very vigorous rootstocks. So they but grew quickly. They grew fast, and that was that one. And I, I noticed what you mentioned. There's another question there mm. about a big orchard, and the problem with the vigorous trees is that they got out of hand. So people ended up with too much timber at the expense of fruit. So you know the trend over the last number of years, and Dr. Pat uh, in in Kilkenny that developed the coronet apple trees. He specialises in dwarf fruit stocks because he, he recognised that the modern customer wanted a tree that would fruit, fruit fairly when it's young, mm. and also that it wouldn't grow too high, that there'd be little or no pruning with it. So dwarf fruit stocks control the height of the, of tree. the tree. 
Uh, right. Yeah. So it de- and it depends on each garden. If people want a large tree and they want, you know, because obviously you're going to get more blossom, space, you plenty of room, yeah, mm. and you prepare to do a bit of pruning, then the more vigorous rootstocks. So mm. we have we have a range of different rootstocks available in the garden centres and a really good time to put them in. Okay, let's stay with apples for a moment. And a listener has recently <clears> bought an old house with an orchard. Lovely. They've been told the apple trees haven't had fruit for years. They're wondering, is there anything they can do there? And you there? see, this is this is typically the problem on old mm. orchards, is that you end up with timber, lots and lots of timber, and the trees lose their vigour and they lose the nearly want or the ability to produce flower and fruit. And to re-energise or revigor those, they need to be pruned. So you need to prune the trees back. By pruning them back, it increases vigour, it brings back the youth in the tree, and the tree then spurts into new growth, produces flower buds and produces fruit. Mm. So it's a matter of pruning the trees. Now, you need to get some advice and it's hard to give you advice over the radio on what to do with I them. Know, yeah. So get some get some proper advice on what to do because you can spoil the trees if you prune them too heavily. As a rule of thumb, you take out one third. So you, this is a job to be done over three years. And each year you take out one third of the old growth. You start this year and you start in October, November by removing damaged or diseased branches. Yes. So anything that's dead, anything that looks damaged or it's bruised or, you know, anything on the wood that's beginning to rot, that's the first thing that is canker. Remove all of those. So you look at a tree and you'll take out a third of the old damaged wood or branches that are crossing or badly placed. You leave it alone for for this coming year. Next winter, you do the same. You tackle. So what will happen this summer, this spring and summer, is that that tree will kick into growth and will start to produce lots of young growth. Now, it won't produce any fruit, Mm -hmm. but it'll produce nice young timber. Next winter, you take out the one, another third of the old growth. And so after three years, you've got actually you've got the trees back into all young wood and that wood will start to fruit, you know, two to three years. In its third year, actually, mm. you should start to see the fruit coming back. So you rejuvenate the trees by, by taking out a third of the old wood. So don't just go and butcher them all back. Mm. That, that That's the wrong thing to do. That'll put them under severe stress. Right. So get some advice. If it's a large orchard, it's a, it's a big job but it can be tackled over three years and you will get the trees back into producing fruit again. And pruning of apple trees, <clears throat> pruning of most fruit trees, apart from the stone fruits like cherries, is done during the winter period from October through till for maybe the end of January, mm. early February is the time to prune them. When they've lost their foliage, they're, they're dormant and you can prune them back. Perfect. Um, a listener got a blueberry tree in March, but it has had no berries. What would the problem be? Do we know what the problem will be? Well, it, you see, blueberries... Um, it takes a while, It does. It, it yeah. depends on how, the age of the plant. Look, at, don't worry. Blueberries, you're playing a long game with those. They're going to be around long long after I'm, 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 I've am i retired. So you're looking at 50, 60 years for blueberries. The fact that it didn't fruit this year, don't worry. As long as the plant is growing well, there's lots of new growth on it. That's what you want. The fruit will come. They're self-fertile. Now, one blueberry is not going to give you a lot of fruit. I would recommend putting in a minimum of five or six because blueberries don't, they fruit over a long period during the growing season. So you'll get some fruit in June, some fruit in July, some fruit in August. So having one tree, it's not going to be very productive. Right. Okay, so put in a couple more over the autumn period and don't worry about them as long as they're growing well. What they do need is lime-free conditions. They need acid soil. So that's the most the most important thing to provide. And you can put, get a specific acid feeds. Anything that we feed rhododendrons, azaleas, camellias with, that's suitable for blueberries as well. So my advice is leave them alone. Plant some fresh plants now uh, over the autumn period. Come the spring, give them a good feed of an acid feed and you should get fruit from next year on. 
So just a little bit of patience. Yeah, yeah. And give them plenty of space. They need about six or eight feet between the plants. They actually grow quite. And they're a lovely plant. There's lovely autumn foliage on it. They go like a Virginia creeper in the right. autumn. Okay, yeah. so you, you're kind of getting more than just fruit out of them. Yeah, you know, and you're, they you're are actually... Decoration as well. They're probably one of the most easiest fruit to grow oh. blueberries because they don't suffer from pests and diseases. And when uh, you think about the price of them, you know, when you're buying they're them. They're so yeah. easy to grow. They're, they're related to the bilberry. The bilberry, people yes. know the wild bilberry. Mm. They're related to that. And if you think of the conditions it grows in, it's boggy, nature ground, moory type soil. That's what they like. That's what blueberries like. Well worth growing though. They grow super in pots as well, big tubs if you want. So they're very versatile. Yeah, they are. And they're great fruit. Good question here. What attractive trees with nice flowers or leaves would Porek <coughs> suggest they, this person plants in their garden? They'd like some medium-sized trees, please, as the garden has plenty of room. Okay, well, there's lots to plant at this time of year and a great time to, to put trees in. So, top of the head, um, one of my favourite trees is liquid amber. Beautiful liquid amber. It's actually just beginning and to turn. And this is the time of the year for it. Oh, it's it? beautiful. Yeah. Lovely maple-shaped tree uh, leaves on it. It makes a nice-sized tree up to about 15 to maybe 20 feet. So, it's a nice... Not a huge tree, but it's still it's got a, a very stately, substantial sized tree, but super autumn colour and a lovely tree even in the summertime. And again, very easy to grow. So liquid amber. And I would often plant liquid amber in groups, in groups of threes or fives, because I think they look really well. Another good tree to plant in groups is the betula, betula jacquemontii, the Himalayan birch. Lovely um, stem colour, lovely foliage colour as well. Again, a really easy tree to grow and one that gives a very good all year round colour and again, one that I would plant in groups of threes or fives. And that's one you can actually plant very close together and I think it looks really well. Um, Maples, there's a lovely one called Autumn Blaze Mm -hmm. and as the name suggests, it's got a fantastic autumn colour. So a good one to get in. But there's lots of other good varieties like Century, Crimson King, Drummondii. So the maples are really good as well. Eucalyptus, if you want something evergreen, there's a lovely variety called Azure, which is holds its lovely blue foliage through the winter period. Oh, that sounds nice. Yeah, and it's very hardy. And eucalyptus, as they grow, they produce this lovely mar- ma- marpa- maple, marble, boric, marble-coloured bark. So it's, it actually peels, and you get this fantastic contrasting colours on the bark with lovely blue foliage, which is evergreen. Nice small tree, if you want something small for the garden, mm-hmm. weeping cotone aster. Lovely tree at the moment, it's full of berries. Um, really nice tree and another good burying tree are the mountain ash and there's loads of different varieties a lovely one called Joseph Rock which has got yellow berries Uh, but you know there's plenty of good varieties um, available so look at great time to plant trees in the garden go into the garden centres now because they're still in leaf and you'll see what they're going to look like like. exactly the liquid amber will just start to change its colour so you'll see that on the foliage but any of those that I mentioned again go on to the garden centre website gardencentre.ie there's lots of trees You'll see the pictures of them there and give you an idea of, of, of what's suitable. But a super time to put trees in the garden. Excellent. And just, I know you mentioned Catoni Aster there. There's <coughs> a listener wondering, can they take clippings from Catoni yeah, Aster? Yes, you can. A good time. A good look at it. It's a great time in general to take cuttings from most, if not all, plants. If they are flowering, like, say, hydrangeas mm. or fuchsias, take the flowers off, strip off the leaves. It's the same process for all the cuttings. But take the cuttings small. Don't be trying to root a big two-foot cutting. Right, you when know, you nice say small, so uh, we're six, six, eight six, inches, right. that's, okay. that's plenty. And make sure you get the rooting powder, okay. that's important. Strip off the leaves, take off the flowers, just leave one leaf at the very top of the cutting. Cut at what we call a node, and that's where there's a bump on the stem, where the leaf joins the stem, is called a node. So with a sharp knife, just cut 
just beneath that. And it's on, do you, should you cut on the kind of diagonal well, you can, or does you that can, matter? It doesn't really make matter. a whole lot of difference. Right, you cut okay. on the flat or cut mm. on the thing. Make sure a nice clean cut underneath the node, dip it into the rooting powder, put it into half peat or half compost, half sand, a nice gritty mix into your flower pot or your tray, nice, you know, deep tray mm. and cover with the polythene bag and you've got lots of cuttings that can come. Certainly by December, many of those cuttings will have rooted. Okay. A listener has growth on potato stalks like little potatoes. They're wondering what are ah, they? They're the seeds, no? No? They're the seed, exactly. Oh. There you go. They're poisonous. Oh, right. right? Important. <laughs> yeah, That's so important. Maybe, let's just maybe do a couple of yes, seconds on that. Yes. Yeah. So what you're seeing are the seed of the potatoes, right? They're like little tomatoes on the top of the... And remember, uh, potatoes and tomatoes are in the same family. family. So they're like small little tomatoes, but that's the seed. Because they're green, they're highly poisonous. So if you've got children knocking about make sure they're not messing around with them. Take, maybe cut the tops of them off and get rid of that seed because they are poisonous. Uh, the, 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 the tubers and the potatoes are perfectly okay. So don't don't let me put you off those. It's just the actual seed at the very top. So that's what you're seeing is the seed of the potato right at the very top. It's totally natural at this time of year. Just trim that off if you've got children around knocking around. Uh, but the potatoes themselves are perfectly okay. okay. And it's a great year. Potatoes have done really, really so well this year. Okay. Really great. Great. So we'll be enjoying those for yeah. the next couple of yeah. months. Um, a listener's lawn has a lot of clover in it. Uh, okay. Is that good or not, they want to know? Well, clover is great in that it... Uh, why? Why is clover great? Because it feeds the bees. And oh, I'm always, and, oh, and my I want friend, to have a question about uh, flying uh, flying insects as well. My friends in, in the Westport Bee uh, Club, yes. Dermot, gives out to me every time I talk about killing clover. clover <laughs> so that, I'm not going to do right, that today. So so clover is great from that. So it's great for bees, first of all. It also fixes its own nitrogen. So it feeds itself. The thing about it in a lawn is that it's a sign that the lawn is hungry. So where you get clover grown in your lawn, you it's a sign of a hungry feed. lawn because the, the grass has been held back and the clover is coming to the fore because it can feed itself. itself. So a good feed, like the Osmo, um, the Osmo uh, feed, lawn feed, that would kill moss but it'll also feed the lawn and it'll actually help to control the clover. So we're not going to kill the clover today. Right. Feeding will, feeding bring, will bring will, will will certainly, bring yeah. It's an indication your, your lawn is hungry. And if you feed it, you'll reduce the clover. It dislikes actually fertile soil. It does better on poorish soil because right. it can fix its own nitrogen. So it's, it's an indication, it's kind of an indicator then that your, your lawn isn't And it's also very well. good for the bees. For the bees, yes, not forgetting the bees. Go actually, on, you had a and, oh, I had a question because I just know, well, I noticed this myself over the last, I suppose, four weeks. There seems to be an inordinate number of wasps around. Now, I don't know if other listeners have had similar yeah. experience. I, I don't, I'm not sure, maybe there's a nest near me. I would say so. But uh, there seems to, I, I seem to have had quite a number. Normally, you know, okay, you get one or two wasps yeah. every so often in the house. The last couple of weeks, I just seem every time I open the patio door, bang, there's about well, three or four of them flying around. First of all, the wasps are. Wasps are, I mean, you don't see them during the grow, during mm. the normal season because they're out hoovering up all your green fly and black fly and, right, they're carnivorous. Good on them. They eat, they eat other uh, harmful yes, insects. Yes, so the they car. are beneficial. Right. They're dying back this time of year mm. and they're going for natural sugary, sugar substance like fruit. Like fruit. So you'll see them in your apples boring into your plum trees. Right. right? And they're, they're taking the nectar, the juices out of the fermenting apple trees and they get a bit silly because of that, because it's like, you know, the, the fermenting they're apples. Of, they're, they're almost like they're drunk. Drunk, exactly. And that's, you see a lot of them kind of hanging around and, and you know, so they're at this time of year, they're dying back. They don't survive the winter. The queen wasp is the only 
wasp Wasp that actually survives the winter and she's longer, bigger in size and she will generally go into a garage or a house. You'll often find them in Velux windows over the winter period. She's very docile over the winter but she's the only wasp that actually overwinters. The rest of them die off. All the workers die at this time of year. So we're coming into that time of year and they get a bit nasty uh, Uh, through September, October every year. You've obviously got a nest somewhere in the garden and they'll produce a fantastic nest like a paper mache rugby ball. Right, I'll keep and an eye out for it. It could be in your hedge, could it be could in your be. shrub. It's They generally put it uh, anywhere, somewhere like that in a hedge, a shrub area, right. you'll find them. Um, now, a little trick if you want to kill them off is a little bit of petrol Yes. in a tray underneath the nest. The vapours will actually... Will actually kind of just yeah. see them Or off. you can get treatments like hand powder. Like again. a little anaesthetic. Yeah, if at night time they're, they're nocturnal, so they'll go back into the nest at night time. Yeah. If you uh, put the, the powder onto the nest in the at night time, again, they'll pick it up in their bodies and kill them off. But look, at they're going to die away over the next... Three to four Unless weeks. They're not a the major problem. Jam jar. No. What's wrong with the jam yes, jar? Yes, I know. I know. It was just that it. I noticed them more than I know. Uh, I had maybe in the last couple. Yeah, of and years. I haven't noticed them that much around my own mm. garden. So, but you obviously have a, a there's a there's, some, there's activity yeah. somewhere. Yeah, and mm. and it's been a good year because you know this sort of June July there was lots of aphids around. Mm. The wasps had a daddy long legs. I actually noticed more so. What? Huge crop of dandelion legs um, in the garden at the moment. They're laying their eggs, of course, for next year. They produce the leather jackets. So. But they're doing good work too, are they? Not really. Not no. really. Oh, all right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd be more in favour of the wasps. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Park, would you believe it? Time, time has caught time up with us already. Um, so the key advice is to go out and start thinking about yeah. what you're going to do for the start of the gardening season. Well, there's two, really things, there's two things I would be doing. First of all, I'd be tidying the garden up. I'd be controlling weeds. I'd be killing off the moss. I'd be kind of tidying up the garden in mm. preparation for winter. But I'd also be planting. If you're thinking of putting in fruit, hedging, you know, lots of questions in there about fruit, hedging, planting bulbs and colour. It is, the autumn is a very good time and the week is promised very good next week so it's really good time to be planting in the garden, taking cutting, sowing seed, all of that sort all of thing. All of that sort of thing. Yeah. Well we'll be back here again next Saturday with uh, lots more information and no doubt lots more questions from listeners. Thanks to Porrick and uh, to all of you for listening as well. We, we might do a special on fruit. Oh, we'll actually do a special on fruit. Yeah. Special yeah, on fruit not? next Saturday. Uh, until then, have yourselves a wonderful weekend. Stand by. Michael Neary is live from Ballonrobe after the news coming your way with Fiona McGarry.